Maybe don't know. Maybe don't. This time, 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 What's up, everybody? I am your host, Chris Hampton. Welcome to episode 116 of the Power Company podcast, brought to you by PowerCompanyClimbing.com. You know, I'm home. I'm getting caught up on work and other projects. I'm a few sessions deep into training for six weeks in Waco, followed by five weeks in Australia. And frankly, I just don't really have much else to report. I'm just happily content. I'm climbing well. I'm, um, I'm extremely grateful to all of you who are listening, who've bought things from the website this holiday season, who are training with us, um, all of you. These last three years, yes, it's true, this thing is nearly three years old now, have been a pretty wild and unexpected ride. So thanks for taking that ride with me. I am so grateful. This past October, while in Minneapolis, I had the chance to climb at the A, a training wall that if you pay attention to good spray walls or project walls or whatever you want to call them, is certainly one of the best and is home to many of the strongest climbers in the upper Midwest. Names like Noah Ridge, Nick Klubja, Peter Bonamici, the legendary Pi, and today's guest and recent Pan American combined champion, Kyra Condi. Uh, Kyra and I sat down in a hotel lobby to talk, so you'll hear normal hotel lobby sounds in the background here. Um, just, you know, pretend you're there with us, then it'll all make sense. And we chatted about coming up in that, that somewhat hardcore bouldering culture about not letting a spinal fusion surgery stop her. That's really hard to say, spinal fusion surgery. Okay, there it was. And switching to climbing full-time to train for the Olympics. So, let's get into this. Maybe don't, maybe don't. And something I do in my training a lot is I force myself to try the climbs that I didn't like. There's a reason I didn't like it, and it's probably because it's hard for me. I think making myself try it and making myself like it, hopefully, eventually, is like really important. I wish it was a little better, but um, kind of to be expected after a big session yesterday. So Yeah, you kind of went hard yesterday. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I got there before everybody, and then I finished after everyone, too. So, Is that your MO usually? Usually, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm usually there a long time. How many days a week do you put that kind of intensity into a session? I try and have at least, like, I would say four really intense sessions a week, and then mm-hmm. two less intense sessions a week. So it's like kind of two hard days on and then an easier day and then a rest day. Yeah. It's usually what I do, yeah. Is your rest day like rest? rest. Are you resting hard? Full rest. Intense rest. <laughs> yeah. Netflix all day. <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah. And that's probably a an easier schedule to do now. It is. It's now much that easier. You're moving into full time climbing, which is cool. 
Yeah, I finished um, undergrad, and so I did. It took three and a half years of classes, and then another semester of an internship, and I finished that uh, in April. And so now I'm just kind of yeah, full time climbing, and it's great. Yeah, Olympics. <laughs> yeah, hopefully we're we're working on it. Um, Minnesota is great for training. Uh, I think bouldering and sport climbing, but not super awesome for speed. But sure. For speed, sure. you kind of need a big like power base, and I think. Are um, there any speed gyms here? Like any speed walls here? Uh, the academy has a speed wall, but it's not um, like a half standard, wall or something. and they don't have, and they don't put it up usually. Gotcha. And there's no audible, so you need to get two other people to come mm, with you, and so it's, it's right, not the best right. setup. Yeah. Yep. Hmm. So, I just read. I was looking at your website, which looks great, by the way. New oh, website. Is it Kairakandi.com? It is, Kairakandi.com. Okay. Cool. And, and reading through your, your bio was super interesting. And most of it I kind of knew, but like seeing it all in one place was really interesting to me. And just like seeing the linear story put into that small a space was interesting because I've been aware of you for a long time. You know, I've emceed comps that you've been at and, and watched your career for the last, I don't know, eight years, 10 years at this 10 point. 10 years of yeah. comp climbing probably. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> and I didn't, there are a few things I didn't realize and I want to get into those, but you climbed for about a year and a half or two years before you found out about the scoliosis, right? Yeah. So I actually had a friend at the gym who, you know, was older than me and was, had gone through PT school. And I actually asked him, I was like, Hey, like, can you test for scoliosis? Like, do you think I have it? And he had me, you bent over and they look at your, yeah. at your rib cage and he had me do that. And he was like, Oh yeah, you need to go to the doctor. <laughs> and so, mm. um, it was actually at the gym that I like first kind of got diagnosed with it. Uh, and it was something I suspected that I had because I had a bunch of back pain. Um, and yeah, I'd been climbing for about a year and a half before that. I think I had done one other like youth nationals before it, uh, like one bouldering and one sport. And so yeah. I, I was already doing competitions, but like I was getting like, you know, last in finals kind of <laughs> like not. Right, right. But making finals. But still. Yeah, the, yeah, pretty well. <clears throat> yeah. And I, I also reading an article this afternoon and you said that you thought having the surgery for the scoliosis was one of the reasons that you stuck with climbing and stayed psyched on climbing. Yeah. So when I got the surgery, I was kind of in that stage of life where I was, you know, questioning whether climbing is what I wanted to be doing. It's like right. I would I was on team at the time and it was twice a week, you know, Tuesday, yep. Thursday. And on Tuesday nights, I'd be like, oh, well, I kind of want to hang out with these friends. I don't really want to go to the gym. Um, and that's when climbing like got taken away from me with the surgery, I realized like, Oh no, like climbing is definitely what I want to be doing. And like, it just really showed me that. And so then ever since then I've had like no, um, like wavering desire. <laughs> I've always just wanted to go to the gym. I've never been like, Oh, I want to do this instead. Yeah. That's really interesting. I was a gymnastics coach and watching a lot of the girls because they're hitting their peaks when they're really young, you know? So most of the girls who were talented and who were, you know, that we were looking at to go on to bigger competitions didn't have lives at all. They just were like totally invested in gymnastics and tutors at the gym. They didn't go to school. All their friends were gymnasts, you know. So I never saw them go through that 
Like, yeah. Because they were already, the system had already hidden them away from what real life was going to be. Yeah, which is crazy. Yeah. I can't imagine that. Yeah. But it's also, it, for sport, it, it works really well, yeah. probably, because you just have these, like, focused machines, basically, yeah. who are, like, ready to perform. Yeah. But, yeah, that doesn't really exist in climbing yet. Not I at think. all. Like, not at all. Maybe in other countries, but not in the U.S., for sure. Um, and so, yeah, like, that was kind of that time when I had that those doubts, and then just having the surgery, like, since then, yeah, it's it's pushed me really far. Yeah. And then after you came back, you said you were only off for like four months. Is that right? Yeah. It was only four months because the spinal fusion surgery, uh, like people think that you'd have to go through like a lot of PT and things like right. that. But, um, like physical therapy, you really need when you have like a soft tissue injury and right. a soft tissue surgery. Cause you need to like get all the range of motion back. Yep. But, um, range of motion wasn't going to come back. Right, sure. Basically they just fuse, um, <clears throat> 10 of your vertebrae together. And so basically those 10 vertebrae are one bone. And so it doesn't bend at all. It doesn't twist at all. Mm -hmm. And so basically I just had to learn how to move with that. But like no PT would help with that. And basically the, the time off of climbing was the time that it took the bone to heal. Right, right. So talk to me about the the fusion. It was T2 through T12. Yeah, is T2 that right? to T12. So the thoracic vertebrae, which is like the vertebrae in the middle. You have the C at the top and the L at the bottom, yep. um, which is actually really lucky for me that they were able to keep it all in the T vertebrae. Right. If they had gone into the L at all, and T12 is the lowest uh, T vertebrae, um, my bending would have been a lot more inhibited uh, because that's where most of your bending happens. It's in the, the your neck and in your lower back. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of your twisting comes in the um, thoracic vertebrae, and so I can't twist very well. Like if I just sit here and like twist from side to side, I can only go like like a couple degrees right. in each direction but if i twist at my right. hips right you just looked like a robot yeah, when you did that basically barely moved. yeah so <laughs> uh, but if i twist at my hips then i can twist like a normal mm. person so that's um kind of where i get the movement from but there are some moves in climbing that are like totally restricted and yeah. i have to do them like really square to the wall yeah when otherwise i would like to <laughs> not do that mhm mm i mean and that seems to be your style was that your style prior to the injury or was this totally built on the back of not being able to move? Well, so I think my style mostly came actually from uh, kind of climbing in a kind of male dominated culture on a steep wall. And yeah. so I, I learned to climb like with the boys and like mm -hmm. had to keep up. And a lot of that was doing big moves like jumping, uh, you know, like really like powerful moves that like isn't, I guess, classic to like i don't know female climbing as yep. much you know yep. especially back then yeah and uh so that's really i think where my style came from and then the back surgery of course just being uh like happening when i was so young definitely yep. came into play there too so when you learned you said you learned on a steep wall climbing with the boys so to speak that was at ve yeah right? it was at vertical endeavors in st paul we had a wall <laughs> that we called b2, b2. bouldering room two yeah uh and uh, that was the first wall I started on, and it was uh, it was a maybe thirty foot wall, like side to side, and it started at forty five degrees, and it transitioned into sixty degrees, and that's basically where I spent my entire like time from being eleven until nineteen climbing, yeah. probably. Yeah, <laughs> and um, that's really cool. Yeah, and How I old think were you it was really formative. I was I started when I was eleven, maybe ten. It's it's interesting to me that that you were able to sort of permeate that that culture like climbing with the boys on the woody wall or on the spray wall or whatever it is and that you were 11 12 years old and and going in there and doing that 
was it not intimidating or did your coaches ask you to do it? What was the deal? I think kind of what it was is there was a couple of us on the team who were clearly like more dedicated to getting better and we were like just kind of the stronger people on the team. And yeah. so we would end up having to go up there and climb alone a lot because like the, the rest of the team was doing something else. And so we would go and do this other thing. And so we'd go up and we'd just be like immersed in this culture in there. And they were actually really, you know, um, welcoming and supportive totally. because because we were dedicated and they could see that. Um, I think if we were up there goofing off and like running around and playing in the rubber that was the flooring, right. like we would have not been as accepted. But yeah. like we were up there to climb hard and, you know, people respect that no matter how old you are. Yeah. And, you know, I think that's a common misconception about like harder walls and even just harder crags, harder boulders that if you go to those areas it's going to be this big bro session or something <laughs> and frankly no offense to anybody listening but i think the broing happens more at like the v5 zone <laughs> 512 zone than it does at the upper sport climbing and upper bouldering grades and at the harder training zones you know partly because you can't bring ego to a place like b2 or to the a or to a lot of these spray walls. Yeah, definitely. It like it beats you down. Like no matter how good you are, yeah. or like no matter what your level is, if you're trying to climb that level in like a gym like that, like you're gonna get demolished on it for the first couple weeks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're to everybody gets demolished on those walls. Yeah, you, know? you don't go to those walls and immediately <clears throat> climb amazingly. Like everyone kind of expects that they're going to, and yeah. then you kind of get beat down. Mm -hmm. I find it every time I come back to Minneapolis. Uh, like I'm like, oh, I'm just gonna go like have Rude a quick awakening. session, and then I just get destroyed on the boulders yeah. that I used to flash like yep. <laughs> so yeah totally and I noticed that last night climbing with you and the whole crew in the A was really cool for me first off because I pay attention to training zones like that around the country around the world just seeing what other people are doing and trying to model what we have after that but getting invited in and then the crew being so inviting you know, the first first problem I tried was the wood balls or whatever mm -hmm. they are, and yep. like V five in air quotes, and <laughs> it's a little sandbag. But. And everybody was so stoked, like all of the the cheering me on when I was flashing the problem was really cool. Oh yeah, being in a in a wall where I knew almost no one, and having that happen is really cool. And it was the same thing for you and from you to everyone else. Why do you think there aren't more women in that sort of culture? It seems it's not broy, but it does seem very male dominated. Yeah, I think in Minneapolis especially, we do have a lot of strong female climbers, but we kind of all don't really climb together. I don't know why. Yeah. Like I've never really climbed with the other <clears throat> strong girls from here. I think a lot was when I was younger, they were a lot older than me. Sure. Um but I don't, I, I've never really been able to figure that out. Um, I think it is intimidating uh, for some people to mm -hmm. like get into that culture and yeah. like be immersed in it and like try to work your way into it. Um, I think I started when I was young enough that I didn't realize that I should be intimidated. Sure. You know, sure. even though I probably should have at that point, especially when I was like a beginner, basically. Mm -hmm. um, but I've, I have tried to think about it and I don't, I don't really know why we're missing that culture here so much in Minnesota because everyone is really inviting. I think there's just um, strangely not as many like yeah. psyched female climbers here. 
And you've traveled to a lot of other spray walls too. Um, the only one I've been to where the the women seemed to be, I won't say running the show, but they were like, they were the group I was paying the most attention to because there were, there may have been more of them than there were men. Was, was it, it cats? cats? Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and that surprised me a little bit, but it was cool to see. What are the other spray walls you've been to? Like, you've been to Project. You've been so Project to, in uh, like near Tokyo in Japan mm-hmm. uh, was, I think, probably in my opinion, the best spray wall in the world. And mm-hmm. that's hard for me to say when I climb at the A and helped yeah. build the A, you know. Yeah. But it was um, really, really good. Um, the other ones would be the one at Kletterzentrum in Innsbruck. Yeah. Uh, and that one actually was a really mixed bag. Like it was young climbers, it was older climbers, it was female climbers, it was male climbers, mm. pros, not pros, yep. sport climbers, boulders. It was like a it was a huge mix of people. Um, so that one was actually really cool. I would say that one was probably the most similar to Cats in that like you kind of got a lot of different people in there. Right. Um, very different feel as well, but um, I would say the most similar to that. Um, Project was different in that they had a wall that was a set wall where they would change the set, uh, right, you know, right, right, you know right. every other yep. month or monthly. Um, and then they also had the spray wall, which they would change every five years. Right. You know, and that one I think was so amazing because it was such a large space and they had so many holds and such good density that you had big holds, you had small holds. So you could make up, you know, the hardest crimp climb you could ever possibly think of. And you could also make up a like crazy slope or compression boulder. Right. And then the people climbing there, like die is a legend. Yeah, and totally. um, then a lot of the setters, like one of them has climbed like two V14s and a V15 in a day. Like or maybe right. it was two V15s and a V14 in a day. Like they're all insanely strong. And so that culture, I think just allows more strong climbers to come through mm-hmm. when you have those to look up to. And I think that was a big thing for me too, climbing in B2 when I was young was I had these stronger climbers who I was watching and I could see like, sure. like who they were and like what they did and like what they were doing. Yep. And like I had that to look up to and be like, I'm going to be able to do that someday. And then, you know, work towards it. Yeah. And I think that's, that's my favorite thing maybe about that type of culture. I love the idea that somebody can come into the gym, do, you know, like Angie came to to my gym, the machine shop, and put up a problem that hasn't been repeated yet. I can't even touch it. I can't even <laughs> fathom standing on the feet that she started on. And having that to to work toward, even once that person is gone, like I'm not I'm not watching her climb it all the time, but I saw it. I know it happened and I can go try that problem and test myself and and be inspired over and over by someone who's a better climber than I am. Yeah, and I think that's something that a lot of people get into this rut of like, you know, not necessarily like if you want to climb with your friends and your friends aren't aren't better than you, that's fine, you know. But I think yeah. it's good to put yourself in situations where someone is better than you. Absolutely. And because it, it pushes you and like sometimes that's uncomfortable, you know, like, oh, this yep. person's beating me or I don't know, you know, there's weird thoughts that happen sometimes. But like mm-hmm. it's super good because, yeah, you get that extra pressure, extra motivation, like, oh, I should be able to do this or I could do this one day or, yep. you know, so I think that's really good. And I think it's part of what helped me was, yeah, seeing all these like strong guys around me. And I was like, oh, I want to be able to keep up. Yeah, totally. And even now, like, it's probably hard for you to go into just a regular commercial gym and find much that's going to challenge you for very long. 
without having to make up your own problems. Yeah, it definitely depends on the gym. Some of them, you know, there's just always hard yeah, climbs, you know. Sure. Um, but <clears throat> yeah, it's a very different style too. Like um, yeah, I th I think it's easier to go from climbing in a place like a spray wall to a commercial gym than it is to go from a commercial gym to a spray wall. Like there's a learning curve. Yep. But um, I think climbing at a spray wall like is super beneficial for strength and for tension and for um yeah, just overall ability yeah and there's i mean especially at this one at at a lot of the spray walls that i've been to there's always this small little group of like dark horse locals that no one's ever heard of or that just fly under the radar all the time who are absolute badasses, you know? Yeah, that's a that's a great point, actually. Yeah, and like the people, like the people who are climbing at this gym in Japan project. Like, yeah, like I hadn't heard of them before I'd been yeah, there, I know and who I'm Dai like is, really but... deep into the climbing community at this right. point, and I'd like never heard of these guys. And then, yeah, sure enough, I go on Instagram and I look around. And I'm like, oh my god, they've climbed this much like hard things. Like, this is crazy. Yeah. How do I not know who this is? And I think that's really cool for people to to see, like when they're you don't you don't get into that culture. You don't you don't step into it unless you're pretty serious, generally speaking. It's more fun for the average climber just to go to a commercial gym. Mm -hmm. But if you're the type of person who's having fun at a spray wall, then seeing that person who's who you've never heard of that most everyone's never heard of just crush really hard boulders is just lets people know that oh, I can do that. Yeah. You know, someday I'll be able to do that. Well, and I remember my first time going to Cats, I like, I didn't like it. I had never been to a spray right, wall like that right, before. Right. I was like, all these holds are so old. Yeah. Like, they're so slippery and all these yep. things. Uh, and now, like, if you ask me about the A at any time, like, I'm like, oh, the holds are slippery. It's awesome. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's the best. it saves your skin and it makes you stronger. Like, it's the best thing ever. Because, yeah. like, you know, you have to squeeze the holds way harder than you would have to if they were sticky. Mm -hmm. to like stay on the wall and you have to put like way more pressure on the slippery old feet and it makes you so much stronger as soon as the holds have like texture like at a competition or at a commercial gym it's like whoa like this yeah. is easy <laughs> yep and you get to retest yourself on the same problems over and over and over like you said when you come back to the a problems that you flashed might feel really hard but then over the next few weeks you get back to the level you were at and then you send some new project that you couldn't send before. And that's a really great way to measure getting better that isn't always available in a commercial setting. Exactly. And that's what I've always liked about like boards. Like say you don't have a spray wall at your right. local gym, like something like a moon board or a tension board or yep. a kilter board, like all of them, like they stay the same wherever. And I think that's really cool because it's like mm -hmm. the same type of thing. Yeah. You can always be like, oh, I couldn't do this problem before. Like, let's see, I've like been hangboarding and my finger strength is better now. Or like I've been canvassing and my power is better. Maybe I can do this climb now. And then like suddenly you can. And I think yeah. that's really cool. And you can also... And I think this is neat, like test yourself against like other people in the world when it comes to the boards, at mm -hmm. least. You yeah, know? So, I like, think that's really cool. And I, that's something I've always like admired about, like, you know, the moon board, the tension board. You can see like, oh, like this person did this climb. Like, let me try that one. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Similar. Yeah. Do you like when you travel, do you seek out other spray walls? Like, is that part of something you're stoked to do? At this point, I do. Yeah. So I I really enjoy the style. And I think the style of climbing that you you end up doing on a spray wall, especially one with old holds 
um, ends up being really beneficial to basically all types of climbing, like really beneficial to outdoor climbing and really beneficial to competition climbing. Like, so we made the A um, basically two Januarys ago. Yeah. Uh, I think in so 2017. Mm-hmm. And we, and like I trained at it that whole year and then I moved away for the beginning of this year and I've been back now. And I think training there leading up all the way into like December was definitely the thing that made like the biggest difference for me this year. And I think I had like a really big jump in like my competition ability. And I like basically say that's all because I was climbing at the A. Yeah. Like it just gave me so much more power, so much more like hand strength, finger strength, like basically everything. And then I was able to like transition that into competition climbing like super well. Yeah. And so now when I travel, I definitely look for the walls that are like that because I sure. love having that feeling of that strength. And I like, like worry about it almost when I'm traveling that I'm not going to lose it because I really enjoy it. And so I I look for walls that are as similar as possible a lot of times. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Do you think it, it, that it helps your confidence at all? Like a wall like that, where you know, it's hard, it's burly, it's stout that people aren't just handing you grades at a wall like that. Do you think that plays into your confidence or is your confidence already just built in uh i think it definitely helps because like you know sometimes i'm using holds in there that are old and you know not as good as the ones that you find in commercial gyms you know (laughs) like they're old versions of them yeah and like they're slippery and i know i can use it with like a terrible foot or something you know and then i see it in a competition or at a gym and i'm like oh well i can definitely use that hold because it's sticky now (laughs) or like uh like a bunch of different like things like that like and it definitely helps with confidence both in competitions and outdoors like I'll have climbs that, you know, um, a lot of the climbs that I climb at a spray wall are ones that other people have made up, not me. Right. And I think that forces you to try a style that you wouldn't normally want to. And something I do in my training a lot is I force myself to try the climbs that I didn't like because I feel like there's a reason I didn't like it. And it's probably because it's hard for me. Mm -hmm. And I think making myself try it and making myself like it, hopefully, eventually is like really important. Yeah, totally. And then hopefully it'll help with weaknesses in the long run. And it will for sure. And, and actually, you know, I think you're, you're, the fact that you're doing it consciously is huge, but I think just being in that sort of environment and scenario sort of trends people into doing that. You know, I've noticed that people who climb at my wall, this, the second iteration of it, the first was in Cincinnati. They tend to, out in the regular commercial gym, just want to send everything that they can at the, in the new set zone. And then when another zone is reset, they go straight to that and send everything they can. And it just keeps going in this circle that just leaves them at the same exact grade forever. Yeah. People ask me about this on like Instagram all the time. Like, how do I go from climbing V7 to go like climbing V8? Yeah. Stop just climbing all the V6s and V7s. Yeah. Like try the V10, you know, like it's way above your pay grade, but who cares? Try and do like four moves on it of like 10, you know? Yeah. And I think that's something that being at a spray wall like really helps with because you just see someone climbing something and you're like, oh, like that looks fun or that looks cool. Yep. Or that looks hard even, you know? Yeah. and And there usually aren't plaques with grades attached to the bottom of the climb that are telling you how it's supposed to feel. You know, you're just like, oh, let's see how this feels. And the holds are cool. I like this move. Let me try this. And I've climbed everything up to this level let me just try these now, you know? Yeah, exactly. So I think it's better not to have, at least for your training, it may not be better for like the, the general level climbers 
fun meter. Yeah. But I think it's better to not have that rotating cast of problems all the time. Yeah. I think it's it's a great asset. Like if you can, you know, train on a spray wall and then go and climb, you know, yeah. gym climbs, like it's Absolutely. it's great to mix it up. But I think the biggest thing that keeps people away from a spray wall is they just don't know how to enjoy it. Yeah. And it's you kind of have to learn to enjoy it. Like like I said, I, I hated it the first time fun. I went. Yeah. Like it was not my favorite type of climbing. And then after climbing at a spray wall like that for a super long time. And then I went back to like cats. I loved it, you know? Yeah. And uh, I, now it's like one of my favorite gyms. Yeah. It's cool for me watching, watching the locals at a spray wall, like last night in the A. I, I spent a lot of my time just watching the locals talk about the problems and point out problems and not be looking at the wall while someone else is talking about a problem and just going, no, it's the green foot down and right, you know, <laughs> because everybody knows the wall so intimately. And I love that about it. One of my favorite moments of my own climbing last night was just the fact that after Peter pointed out a problem or Katie pointed out a problem, that I didn't get totally lost on the wall, you know? And I think that's just built up over years of climbing on a spray wall. You get better at sort of envisioning the movements and not paying so much attention to the hold colors and those types of things. And I think that helps you become a better rock climber too, as opposed to what happens in a commercial set. Totally. That's also, the, that's another question I get a lot, like on Instagram, like I'll post a video of the A and somebody would be like, okay, not to sound like a total noob, but how do you know where to go? And I was like, right. oh, well you memorize it. And then like, yeah. eventually you suddenly know 50 boulders, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It seems like a huge task, but then it's like, it's just natural. Yeah. That's cool. So let's talk, style a little bit you you mentioned that several times in different ways that training in the a is also good for your comp climbing but it seems like comp climbing is going this whole other direction movement and style wise why do you think training in the a is still good for that new comp style so I've always had a theory that you can get strong enough to make up for not being as technical maybe, which is maybe not the best idea. But if you don't have the resources to do like super technical slab climbs or mm -hmm. super like weird coordination jumps, then like if you can just get stronger and you can jump harder then like maybe the coordination jump will be easier, you yeah. know, things yeah. like that. Um, and so I've always wanted to be like strong enough where I can make mistakes and like not have it be detrimental to like my score at a competition. Yeah. And when I do have access to a good slab wall and good coordination, good setting, things like that, um, I do try and do it as much as possible because I know I don't have access to that when I'm at home and mm -hmm. uh, like at the A. Uh, but I really find that like doing these like moves on like big moves that like, you know, taller climbers are making up because a lot of the people who climb at the A are a lot taller than me. Um, like it, it gets me like really comfortable at being spanned out. It gets me really comfortable on bad holds, on bad feet. Um, and so a lot of the climbs then that are set for, you know, females at competitions are actually set for someone my size. Right. And so are, they like, don't so feel they're big way at more all. comfortable. And I suddenly am like really in my comfort zone because yeah. I'm like, like so used to climbing out of my comfort zone. Mm -hmm. yeah, what did you say last night? You were pulling your sternum you were so <laughs> wide. <laughs> yeah, I pulled my like whatever muscle goes across my sternum <laughs> by being like doing these wide moves. Oh, that was funny. Um, yeah. So 
I've seen you in your, to take your side here, I've seen you several times in comps take a move that other competitors have made look very like new wave comp-like for lack of a better term and make it look more traditional. Like the style that you climb in makes it look more like a traditional power boulder. Even the whole, even though the holds are set up in this manner that we now think of as comp style or whatever. And so I think maybe you're right. I hadn't really thought about it in those terms, but for sure. Yeah. I think the old school style is definitely what I would say is more my style. Like if I see a boulder that's, you know, straight pinching, like, you know, you just pinch, 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 and then it's at the top. I'm like stoked. Yeah. You know, crushing that one. Uh, but I I do enjoy the, the new style as well, but I think you can apply that like raw power strength to it a lot. Yeah. I think it is good to up your game on the, you know, weird technical Mm -hmm. coordination stuff. Uh, but if you have that raw power base, which is what I like really feel that I gain when I'm climbing up the A, um, I think it gives you like a leg up a lot of times. Yeah. Are you, the A definitely makes for better training for outdoor climbing. No, no question that that type of wall is better for training than the new gym style is for outdoor climbing. How much are you focused on that now? Is that dropping away for the sake of indoor climbing? So for this year, my plan is to focus pretty much exclusively on indoor climbing. Mm-hmm. I went to South Africa the Rocklands for like a month and a half this summer. Yeah. And I kind of knew it was going to be a last hurrah for a right, little bit right. here. Um, and so I, I kind of sacrificed, you know, a good p- performance at the World Championships because it was about a month after I got back from Africa and mm-hmm. I find the transition really hard. Yeah. Um, so I, I kind of sacrificed that competition to do like have a fun outdoor trip before just focusing completely on indoor climbing and competitions and training the next like year, basically. Um, because I really want to this next year to be, um, you know, I'm not in school anymore. I have time to focus on just climbing and I want to focus on, you know, injury prevention, like all the right things. I've never been really good about doing, you know, conditioning after my climbing or doing stretching. I've always been like, had to go home and do homework or like go to bed even. Um, and so like I would, you know, go to class, I'd go to the gym and then I'd go home and eat and then I'd go to bed or I'd do homework and go to bed. And now I'm finally going to have time where I can, you know, like sleep a reasonable amount as an athlete Mm -hmm. (laughs) and then, uh, you know, eat good meals. I can prepare meals. I have time for like doing all that. Uh, I can, you know, go to the gym at a reasonable time, stay a good amount of time, eat snacks while I'm there because a lot of times I would leave because I was hungry. (laughs) Um, and then I can stretch and I can do conditioning and I think it'll just make, I'm hoping that it makes a really big difference in my climbing. Um, just because I'll have the time to do those things and I'm, uh, like mentally dedicated this year to doing that. God, I love that you're taking that amount of, of your own volition to dedicate to climbing. You know, I think that not enough people do that. A lot of people see success with what they're doing and then they just keep it the same, even though they have the resources to, to up their game a little bit. So I love hearing you say that when you told me yesterday that you were just going to be doing full-time climbing for a while it made me really excited (laughs) because you know you won your first nationals like a year and a half after my back surgery you had your surgery right Mm -hmm. and since then you've pretty much just been on this steady rise and 
watching you at the World Cup this year, emceeing the World Cup this year what that you were in, and then watching you at World Championships and and seeing you become this contender is has been really, really cool to watch. So well, thanks. <laughs> I'm excited to see what happens when you dedicate this amount of time to not only the climbing training, which we, we already know that you're a little maniacal about, but, <laughs> but also to the resting and the nutrition and to injury prevention and just making sure that you're there to be a contender. Yeah. yeah. And it's something that I've, I'm really excited about and I'm really grateful to like sponsors and all that to like have the opportunity to be able to do it. Cause like not everyone does get that shot, that shot. And I really want to like, try and take it as seriously as possible and like uh, you know focus all my energy into it i'm lucky that i think i kind of have ever like never ending psych to train yeah you know i think some people get it like seems that way a little bit <laughs> yeah if you were I, back in the a tonight then you <laughs> must have yeah i usually i usually climb by myself when i'm there actually too a lot of times just because of how traffic to get here works and right um and i usually mm. do like campus workouts and hangboard workouts which aren't usually a group activity sure um so and I think that's something that I'm lucky to have is like, you know, that like, I guess, work ethic, mm-hmm. you know, I think part of that is I think I see a lot of people who were so talented when they were younger, they didn't have to work hard to be the best. Right. And I wasn't as naturally talented, I think. And so I, I really had to work hard to get to where I was. Yep. And I think that's lucky because I think then you, you have the ability to you, you know how to work hard. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to learn to work hard. You can't you don't just get that. Yeah, and you were throwing this curveball, no pun intended. Um, (laughs) That totally came out like it was supposed (laughs) to be a pun, but um, you were throwing this curveball, and and then you had to come back from it. And I think that's helpful to keeping that dedication going. What do the guys and girls in the A, how do they feel about this? focusing on comps, focusing on indoor climbing, because in general, just just historically, those types of environments are usually more outdoor climbers, very outdoor focused. What What's the talk around the A about it? Uh, well, to be honest, I get a little bit of uh, like shit about it a yeah. lot, but yeah. uh, you know, it's, it's in a loving mm-hmm. way as much I'm sure it is um as they can I don't think they get it a lot you Mm -hmm. know like they don't quite understand like how you stay motivated for competitions I think right and like not outdoor goals like I'm not going out to up north every weekend like all the other guys are um because I want to stay in the cities and train yeah um because and I I prefer to go to destinations to climb you know Waco Bishop Rocklands right uh when I get a chance and like I'd rather train for a longer period of time Mm mm-hmm I think what's different about me is that I don't need to go out on the weekends to stay psyched. I think a lot of them, like, you know, their love is in outdoor climbing and I totally understand that. Yeah. And so if they are not going out every weekend, it's like, it gets depressing to just be in the gym every day. But I, I love all types of climbing. I love being outside. I love being in the gym. I love being like, you know, if I had to only gym climb for the rest of my life, if outdoor climbing didn't exist, I would still be in the gym training. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't know if, that'd be the same for everybody. You know, I, I have sure. no idea. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think a lot of people gain their, their excitement to climb inside by the prospect of going outside. 
Yeah. Um, and I think that's the thing that they don't quite understand. But like, you know, I, I, I totally understand where they're coming from. It's a, it's a weird thing, you know, competition climbing. Yeah. Um, but my perspective is that if, if someone's psyched about something, like you should just be psyched for them. You know, if they're excited, like I'm excited. And I, I, I hope that people feel like vice versa the same way, you know? Yeah. And I think they do. I think, you know, I'm, I don't know if Randy wants me to say this or not. Probably not. But um, when he emailed me and said, hey, I wanted to invite you to the A just to check it out. He one of the things he said was, you know, you might know Kyra Condi. She climbs there. You can see videos of it and photos of it on her Instagram. And and she, maybe she's mentioned it to you. And, you know, so I immediately was like, oh, they're they're proud that she climbs there. And I think that's cool. But then seeing it in person last night, it's probably something you don't necessarily notice because you're there all the time. But there's definitely a pride with churning out is the wrong word. But <laughs> but I think that's how a lot of people would characterize it. Like, we've built this place, you included, you know, in the we have built this place that can churn out these champions. Yeah, know? and I, and it's something I'm really proud of is coming from Minnesota and the yeah. crew here. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, I really identify with the Minnesotan crowd, you know? Yeah. And I like Is that it. how you say it? Minnesotan? Minnesotan, oh yeah. <laughs> you betcha. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think that's really cool. Like when they were telling me about B2, um, like pretty much right after I turned around from talking to you, I think Randy, it wasn't Randy, it was someone else. I think it was Bob. Bob was telling me about B2 and pretty much the same story you had just told me. And I just let him tell it because I wanted to hear it from his perspective. And he mentioned, you know, the wall that Alex Johnson trained at when she won the national championship. And Oh, yeah. And I think that's definitely a pride thing happening that they're, mentioning Alex in conjunction with B2 and you in conjunction with the A. And I just think that's that's really cool that they're all outdoors focused. Mm-hmm. but And your comp focus, Alex's comp focus at the time, was something that they're proud of, even if they're going to give you shit for it. Yeah, even if they don't quite understand it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I hope so. You know, like, I, yeah, I feel psyched for them whenever they, like, you know, send projects outside and... Uh, so I, I like to think that it's, you know, a mutual thing. So, yeah. So talk to me about building the A. You, you, I saw in an article recently that one of the things you're most proud of in your climbing career was helping to build the A. Yeah. I think that's on my website. I think I have that, that in my in bio. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, yeah, it is something I'm super proud of because I, I do think it's one of the best walls, like actually in the world, like Mm -hmm. unbiased, of course, you know, but, um, it's really, really good. Yeah. That's all I know. Yeah. Um, and I've been to a lot of gyms around the world and I, I honestly do like it as one of the best. Yeah. Um, and you know, I, I'm not a super handy person. I don't know how to build a lot of stuff, but um, helping build it, I thought was, was a really cool experience. You know, I drilled T nuts. I like put two screws into every single one of them yeah, <laughs> and I like, yeah. I drilled the holes for them and mm. things like that. And it's it just really cool to like see that like become what it is, mm-hmm. you know, from the very beginning, from when it was like this gross, uh, warehouse room right. to becoming, right. you know, the, a really sick gym. Yeah. That's super cool. So 
talk to me a little bit about plans from here, like how it looks. You're you're switching your focus over to completely climbing, focusing on indoor climbing, and with the Olympics coming up 2020, are you staying here in Minnesota? Are you going to train exclusively at the A? What's that going to look like? So Minnesota is going to be home base definitely for the next uh, probably like a year and a half mm-hmm. at least. Um, just because, you know, I'll be traveling so much that it doesn't make sense to pay rent anywhere else. Um, and I think I'll definitely do training blocks where I'm here at home at the A because I think the power that you build just climbing there. And also you can get really good endurance because the holds are also bad. There's not very many good holds that you can, if you do endurance laps, if you try and do 50 moves on the wall, it's like really hard. Yeah. You know, God, just, doing, just doing 50 moves is probably 50 like 13 on that B, wall you know, heinous. any um, 50 moves. Yeah. Any 50 moves. Yeah. And then you could make it way harder. Yeah. You know, we have a circuit set that's, that's Noah's circuit. Yeah. That I think it's probably 14 B. Yeah. You know, I can barely make 20 moves on it, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> um, and so, so it, it's really good for, I think both, um, endurance base and power base for bouldering. And so I think I, my plan is to stay here for a while. And I think that power base translates to speed climbing really well. Yeah, for um, sure. When I feel really strong, I get fast, like way quicker. <laughs> um, so like when I'm in like peak bouldering shape, I find that I drop time when I'm practicing speed way faster. Mm-hmm. And I found that especially when I came back from the Rocklands uh, this year, I was like power drained from just being outside for so long and not training. Yeah. And trying to get back into speed, I was like so lethargic by the top of the 15 meters. Mm -hmm. And before, when I had been practicing speed before our sport climbing nationals, our sport and speed climbing nationals, when I was in really good bouldering shape, uh, the speed just, it felt so easy and it, I got fast times. And so my plan now is to focus on that, that power base and power endurance base and endurance base, um, at the A for probably until December and then transfer somewhere that has a speed wall as well, but also has access to a wall that's similar enough to the A. So like probably somewhere like Colorado where I could go to Cats for bouldering and power base and then also go to a gym that has a speed wall and a sport climbing wall. Right. And then, so that's probably my plan for right now. And then we have, you know, our national competitions at the beginning of the year, our bouldering, and then we're gonna have this new combined nationals in January. And we have our sport and speed nationals in uh, March. And so it's January, February, March kind of cool. are really big competition months for the U.S. And then it'll be focused, hopefully, completely on World Cups, uh, pending on I have to make it on the team first. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and put my <laughs> money on you making the team. Um, coaching, you mentioned to me yesterday that you aren't currently being coached and haven't had an, a coach as an adult, is that correct? Yeah, I haven't had a coach for probably, well, since I was about 16, and I'm 22 now, and I only really had the, you know, some coaches for, you know, those first five years of my um, climbing career, and I think a lot of that was, you know, psych for climbing. Yeah. A lot, not a lot of it was about, like, how to train or how to, you yeah. know, so, like, I've had to come across a lot of that, like, all on my own, and that's like it's definitely it's it's different and i see all these other climbers who have these coaches who are these huge support systems for them and it's it's kind of i'm kind of jealous you know like they have all these people who are like 
like, no, you have to rest today for this reason. And then like, oh, you should be doing this. You shouldn't do that competition because of this. And like, right. uh, like you should, you know, be eating these things. You should be doing this training, you know, and I don't have any of that. And it takes, I think, a lot of mental capacity to think about those things and have to like think about it all for yourself instead of having someone else just tell you it. Yeah. And, and it's, it's hard, but, um, and so that's another part of my plan, hopefully for this next year is to maybe hopefully work with some people who can like help me with those types of things. So both, I don't have to expend so much mental energy on it Yeah, and just because getting other perspectives would be amazing. Yeah. That's really cool. And, and really mature actually. I think it's a, it's definitely growing in the climbing community that people are more and more accepting that idea. Um, so it's cool to hear that you are. And I know very intimately how much time and energy it takes because I do it for all of my clients. And and you're right, it's a big drain. I mean, my climbing takes a big hit when I have a bunch of clients. So, um, So yeah, I think that's something that would be really, really helpful for you. Yeah, I think it'll be really hard for me because I have, sure. uh, like, you know, just been in charge of my own plan for so long. Mm-hmm. You know, I, you know, I, I have a schedule that I do. I hang board on a campus and I power endurance and I endurance and, you yep. know, I climb. Yep. And I worry that, you know, people would tell me not to do any of those things. And I really like doing those things right, because right. I know they make me feel strong, you know. Yep. And so that's, I, it does like panic me a little bit. I think just because I have had to be like self-reliant for so long. Um but I, I think it will be like really beneficial in the long run. Yeah, I think so. And at at the very worst, it's a it's a good change to I mean, even if it's only small changes to your current routine. Um, I think breaking up the routine is just a good thing for your training anyway. You can yeah, always definitely. come back to the routine, but switching it up and new stimulus is gonna be a good thing for you anyway. Yeah, seeing what other things work and Yeah. How yeah. other people how did train. You, how did you assimilate all of this information as it is? Do you just go online? Do you read books? Do you listen to podcasts? What, where does all this info come from? Because you're making good choices. You know, you're doing smart things and you've got the right ideas. So how do you end up with all that? You know, I think I'm kind of similar to you is that when I go to a new place, I I do like to watch how other people train. Yeah. And, you know, I've gotten to climb with a lot of the other super strong American climbers and super strong international climbers. And I like watching and seeing what they do differently. Mm. Like, for example, when I was in Japan, I noticed that, like, a lot of the really strong Japanese climbers just climb, you know, and they have really long sessions and they, you know, will try a climb until they do it. Like, they won't not do that climb. Right. And like they'll watch if somebody else does it a different way, they'll climb it again and do it that way because they did it differently and they should also do it that way. Mm -hmm. And it's it's really different. Um, And then, you know, when I was in like Innsbruck before the world championships, I tried to watch how there's a bunch of Americans there. So I tried to watch how a bunch of other people train um, and just try and absorb like what everyone else is doing and think about what I'm doing and see if it's similar or dissimilar and if I think it's good that it's not the same or if that I think right. I should change it. Right. Um, and I think just, you know, climbing with people, listening to people and then kind of making my own plan from there has been really how I've done it. I haven't listened to a lot of podcasts or read books really, but I talk to a lot of people who have, mm-hmm. I think is kind of the bigger, sure. yep. the bigger way that I've done it. Um, but I do definitely take into account other people's opinions and what they think and what they do and what they think has worked for them. Yeah. 
No, that's cool. I, I'm glad that you go and watch other people and pay attention to how they're doing it and what they're doing, especially if you don't have a coach, if you're kind of your own support system as far as training goes. I think that's a really intelligent, smart way to do it is pay attention to all these other people who do have that support system um, or have just been successful on their own and just try to pull the little gems out of everyone else's system. Yeah, definitely. And I think, uh, I think you do get a, a very like varied system when you do it that way. Yeah. You know, it's not as like, it's not a, okay, we're doing a strength cycle. We're doing a power cycle. We're doing a, you know, endurance cycle. Like I, I don't do that because I, I don't understand it. I don't know how I would make a system that works well in that way because right. I just don't know the science behind it or the methods behind it or anything. Um, and so I just kind of do an everything at once cycle. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you know, I feel like if you do a little bit of everything, it's maybe not the most efficient way to get better or the best way to peak, but I think you do see steady progress. Mm -hmm. And I mean, apparently you are, so, <laughs> so it's working. Um, before we wrap up, I just wanted to say that watching you and may maybe for me, like me becoming a fan, I've, I've watched a lot of people's careers over the years with interest. Um, but I think watching you compete in person, um, I think the SoL Showdown was probably the first place I saw you compete, emceeing that a few years ago. Watching you compete in person, I think, is what made me a fan instead of just someone watching and observing. <laughs> because I, I really love, like everyone else, I love your climbing style. I love that you attack with confidence, you know, and, and that for me makes climbing so much more fun to watch because comps can be boring as hell <laughs> if it's not fun. And we always put the onus on the setters to make it fun, but, but no matter what the setting is like, watching you climb is going to be fun. You know, it, watching you compete was the same as watching you in the A last night because you, you sit there for a while and when you're ready, you get up and you attack and you attack it with that fierce, fast, dynamic style that is just fun and cool to watch. Well, thanks. So, so thank you for making it fun for me to MC comps and, <laughs> and watch you climb. So well, I thanks. Yeah, it. I appreciate it. Yeah, and thank you a ton for driving out here and sitting down with me in yeah, this no worries. loud hotel lobby. Yeah, hopefully it's not too bad. <laughs> no, it's going to be fine. People just want to hear you talk anyway, so we could be in a crowded room and they'd be fine. Big thanks again to Kyra for sitting down and chatting and huge congratulations on the big win at the Pan Am Games. Um, I was in Houston a few weeks ago and I watched Kyra win the National Cup stop there. And I texted her afterward to tell her good job pulling it back together after a frustrating problem two to come back and flash problem three for its only top. In my mind, that's one of the qualities a champion has to have, the ability to move past inevitable frustrations and failures. And, and to be a champion in this game, you have to do it in four minutes. And, and Kyra did that in a big way. Um, Kyra, I'm rooting for you in your Olympic bid. We all are. 
and all of the rest of you there are a few days left to order things off the site new sweatshirts stocking stuff for gift packs all of it to guarantee christmas delivery and only a few weeks until we turn three years old and i'll be releasing that ava lopez episode you all want so badly until then you can find kyra at kyracondi.com um, you should check her out on Instagram as well um, and watch her stories. You'll get to see a lot of what goes on at the A, a lot of her trying really hard on her winter projects. And for me, that stuff is so inspiring. So check her out on there. There will be links directly to her website and to her Instagram right there in the show notes in your pocket supercomputer. You guys know where to find us, powercompanyclimbing.com. You can find us on the Instagram, the Facebooks, and the Pinterests at Power Company Climbing. And you can look for us on the Twitter. You're not going to find us there. Not this year, not next year, because we don't tweet. We scream like eagles. This time, 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 this time